Welcome to Church Basics, another podcast from the Church of Trace Crossing. As you should be used to by now, if you've been at Trace for any amount of time, that name is pretty self-explanatory. It's a podcast on the basics of the church. Now, you may be asking yourself, why do I need to know more about the basics of the church and how the church works? I mean, I've been in church my whole life, and that's natural to think about. But ask yourself, if someone were to come up to you in the street, as people do, with a microphone and ask you, what do you know about the church? How long could you talk? What would you be able to tell them? What do you really know about the church to be true? Well, we want to enlighten one another. We want to uh, understand more about what the church is and what it should be. So this podcast is being made um, in conjunction with our sermon series on Acts as a way of equipping us during this time where we can't be together for our normal methods of equipping. So as we see the early church unfold in Acts, we want to be able to clarify what makes a church a church. And so it's our hope that as we emerge uh, out of this year, a year from now, 2022, we'll have a much greater clarity on who we are as a church and what we should be doing as a church. So before we get into the nitty gritty uh, this week of, of what we're going to be doing, I want to just kind of give you the layout for the podcast about what we're planning on doing and how we're going to go about this. Uh, so the plan is to have eight episodes released, uh, one each week. Um, that will mean uh, that we should end this podcast uh, around um, spring break in March. Uh, at least that's the plan anyway. Uh, we hope to open up other avenues for equipping at some point this semester, but for now, uh, we are using this podcast, and, and it should be about eight weeks, what you should expect. Uh, I intend for each episode to be about 20 to 25 minutes. I wouldn't be surprised at all if this one goes a little bit longer uh, than that. Uh, the plan is that this is going to be mostly, mostly uh, individual kind of monologue teaching from me, uh, Avery, if you don't know me, by the way. Uh, we may have some, some other uh, voices come in. I want to keep things fresh, so we may have... Uh, some some other people come in and may may interview some other people. I think Josh is planning to uh, record one of these on a week where I'm going to be uh, preaching, um, so that I can focus on that and sort of thing. Um, so, uh, but for, by and large, this is this is just me, guys. Uh, just just Avery here. So, uh, I will say that I, I'm going to try to answer any questions you have um, in the podcast at the end of each episode. Um, we may need to make an extra episode. If we were to have a really good question or if we were to have, you know, multiple questions in a week or something like that. But that should just give you the idea, the lay of the land as we go through this podcast. Um, but what are our goals as we do this? What do we aim to do? Well, uh, I think that I have three goals as I teach this, uh, you know, class through uh, through this podcast. Um, and goals, these three goals, I hope you share with me. Um, these are the things that we want to be aiming at together. First, I want to enlighten us about what the church is and what the church does. What the church is 
and what the church does. So to understand that, we're going to go to Scripture and ask, what does Scripture say about these things? What uh, what does Scripture have to say about what the church should be? How should it be made up and governed? And also, what should the church be doing? What are the functions of the church? How does it act and work and move in the world? Um, so we'll go to the Scriptures to understand that, and hopefully we'll also be able to look at what the church has done historically uh, to fulfill feel these things, this, this calling uh, on scripture to be and to do certain things as a church. So I want uh, to enlighten us about what the scripture is and what the, uh, excuse me, about what the church is and what the church does. Um, I also want to excite us about being a church member. So this, this podcast uh, it might be a snooze fest for you. Um, I, I promise I'm going to do everything in my power to make it as engaging as I possibly can. Uh, but for some people, uh, learning about the church um, can be boring. But I think that if we have a greater understanding of what the church is and what the church does, then I think that is going to excite us as church members to engage in the work of ministry in Trace Crossing and, of course, um, in our community community in Tupelo and even further out into our world. So I want to excite us, but I also want to encourage us to be better church members. So I want us to understand the importance of church ministry. I want us to understand that the church itself is an important institution for carrying out the work of God. And uh, as such, I also want us to examine the areas that we're weak as a church and as individual church members, when we come to understand the role and expectation that the Lord has placed on us as a congregation, I want us to be able to examine our own weaknesses and be able to respond accordingly. So lastly, before we get into uh, all of the Learning uh, for this week, I just want to give you the outline for the podcast, uh, what I plan on talking about overall. I want to break it up into three sections. What is the church? How is the church led? And what does the church do? Um, so we'll talk about how to define the church, who makes up the church, uh, the kinds of church government that you see um, besides just our form of church government. Then we'll go deeper into our form of church government, congregationalism. Um, and then we'll talk about the two options offices of the church uh, as elder and deacon. Uh, then we'll talk about what the church does, the, the worship of the church and uh, the discipleship of the church and the mission of the church. So that said, let's get into this week's topic. What is the church as we come to define the church? So I want you to do me a favor, close your eyes, unless you're driving, please, please do not do that if you're driving. Um, eyes open is always a better way to drive, but I want you to close your eyes, think back to me, think back with me um, about your most vivid memories of church. What songs are playing? What songs did you sing? Who's there? What are they like? What kind of ministries do you remember doing in these vivid memories of your church? Who was the pastor of your church and what were they like? Was your experience there, was it a positive one or a negative one? 
All right, you can open your eyes now. I have one last question for you. How do you think your experience with the church, your previous experience with the church shapes the way you understand it today? You may want to pause the podcast even and jot down your answer here or just meditate on your answer. Um, How does your previous experience in the church shape the way that you understand the church today? Let me give you my answer, all right? Uh, I grew up in a traditional Southern Baptist church. In that regard, it was remarkably, you know, not very remarkable in the grand scheme of things. Uh, If I remember, we had three pastors over my uh, time in that church. Uh, They each had, you know, their own personality and their preferences. But understand, this was an old church. So uh, even though we had a few different pastors, the church uh, didn't really change uh, very much. Um, I was baptized myself at a young age, uh, through, you know, vacation Bible school, uh, that that sort of thing, maybe a little bit later than that, you know, but it started there like in in vacation Bible school. Um, growing up, my family was pretty faithful in church attendance. We were there at least every Sunday morning, you know, uh, Sunday night, Wednesday night attendance, you know, we, maybe we weren't so, uh, consistent there, but we were, we were there every Sunday. Um, I participated in student ministry. Uh, I was, it was faithful in student ministry. I did most of the events there. And so, uh, anyway, uh, I was called to ministry in that church and I even preached there a few times. So that was basically my experience with the church, and that's how I remember it uh, growing up. And from there, basically, we we had a a short trip, uh, Paige and I, at at another church uh, in Blue Mountain uh, when I was there in school. And and then we ended up at Trace, and we've been here pretty much ever since. Uh, So my my preferences and my understanding of the church have been shaped and changed a little bit since uh, that time, that experience I had growing up. Up, but I had a mostly pleasant experience, and I would say that my understanding of the church hasn't changed uh, too much and hasn't deviated from that kind of understanding that I was brought up into too terribly much, maybe a little here and there. So I say this, I say this, you know, I bring these memories back for you. Um, I recount my memories uh, to say that our understanding of the church is often driven by our experience of it. So if like me, you had a positive church experience, you're likely to define a church uh, based on what it should be and do uh, by what your experience was like. So for instance, I might take for granted that a church should have a youth ministry because I grew up in a successful youth ministry. Some of you, however, might have had negative church experiences, and that causes you to define church based on what you think it shouldn't be. Let's say you grew up in Southern Baptist, like many of our church members, Uh, and let's say you have had a really bad experience or multiple bad experiences uh, with church business meetings, like, again, many of our members have. And so if we as elders were to call a business meeting at Trace, you might feel anxiety start to kind of creep up your back and you think to yourself, oh no, you know, I thought Trace was different. I didn't think they did business meetings. Well, I say that to say that our experiences can be helpful to bring to one another in the church. I mean, the scriptures testify that there is a wisdom and a multitude of counsel. 
It might be possible that your positive experiences produce some good ideas for ministry in our church, or that your negative experiences keep us from wandering off into dangerous territory. You're able to warn, warn us about something that would otherwise be dangerous for us. However, our experiences of church are not good standards for evaluating what a church should be and what a church should do. Experiences can, and sometimes do, deceive us. So say we have a bad experience with something. It could be that we had a bad experience with something that is structurally, fundamentally, a very good thing. We just happen to have a bad experience with it. Or, or we can be blessed in ministry by something that is you know, functionally, fundamentally flawed that the Lord used in spite of those flaws. So while experience is valuable, it can also be deceptive. So we need a more firm and stable uh, way of evaluating and understanding what a church should be and do. Instead, we should aim to define and evaluate what a church is and does on the basis of Scripture. We believe that the church derives its legitimacy from the Bible as the Word of God. We believe that the church was created and instituted by God for the building up of His saints and for the benefit of a lost world. As such, allowing God to set our identity will allow us to best serve one another and to minister to our world. So with that in mind, let's begin kind of coming to a definition of what the church is. Well, to be honest, defining the church is actually a pretty hard thing to do. Uh, It's difficult for a number of reasons. Uh, First, it can be a hard thing to do because we use the church to refer to multiple things in everyday use. Like, for instance, I may say to my wife, hey, I'm going to run down to the church to pick up a book from my office. In this instance, uh, I'm speaking about the church building, but I'm using church as a shorthand way of describing it. We can also use uh, church to refer to denominations or large groups of Christians. So we can talk about the Anglican church, which refers to the Anglican church as an institution or, you know, all members of the Anglican denomination. We can also use church to refer to local bodies of believers. So, for instance, we could say, I'm a member of the church at Trace Crossing. So when coming to a biblical definition for what the church is, we, we almost have to define uh, which one. Um, but you may be tempted to think, okay, well, well, let's just look to the scriptures and say, well, how does the scripture define the church? Well, to make matters even more complicated, uh, the scriptures themselves uh, seem to kind of hover between a couple of concepts about what the church is. When you come to scriptures to understand the church, it's almost like you have one word to refer to two different things. Almost, at least. Not not all the way there. But uh, scripture speaks of the universal church. 
if we were going to define what the universal church is, it's just what it sounds like. It's the collection of all believers from every time and place. Uh, this is the definition of the church like that Paul had in mind when he spoke with the fact that Jesus loved the church and gave himself up for her. Um, in this definition, this means that people who were born at any time in human history, um, even those who were born before the time of Christ but believe in him for salvation, are part of the big C church, the church universal. However, there's another understanding of the church uh, that is more prominent and frequent in, uh, in Scripture, and that's the local church. The local church is a specific gathering of believers all joined together in one time, in one place, through faith in Jesus and visibly expressed through baptism and church membership. That is a very uh, Baptist definition of the local church, by the way, but we'll have more time for that in a later podcast. What I mean for you to know now, though, is that each individual congregation has the full calling of the Lord to be and do what the scriptures call church to be and do. So everything that's demanded of the universal church is demanded of each individual local church. It is, a, it is an autonomous local congregation of believers. So to summarize, we have talked about defining the church in two kinds of ways. The universal church, which is all Christians from all times and places, and the local church, which is a specific gathering of believers in one time and place. It's that second definition, second one there, uh, the local church that's going to be the focus of this specific podcast. So just know, as a point of reference, I'm probably going to be saying the church a lot for reasons that should be pretty clear. Remember, the name of the podcast is Church Basics. I will be saying the church a lot. Uh, just know that when I say that, I am probably referring to the local church. Um, in fact, I, I will try, I can't make promises, but I will try to uh, tell you when I'm explicitly like I'm, I'm referring to the universal church here. I'll try to make that very clear um, when I do that, but I hope context will make that clear either way. But regardless, regardless, as I said earlier, when we come to understand what the church is, we have to use scripture as an evaluation. So shouldn't we spend some time understanding the expectations and definitions that scripture uses uh, to define and um, limit and uh, place expectations on the church? Um, that's what we're going to do now. So, when you read the way the Bible speaks of the church, it uses several words and concepts and metaphors to get at the idea. So, just like when you're uh, describing anything else to someone, uh, you explain it from lots of different angles, using lots of different descriptions and analogies, that sort of thing, uh, to be effective in your communication. Well, the Bible does the same thing uh, to help us understand the church in its, you know, multifaceted kind of uh, makeup and uh, mission and function in the world. So, how does exactly the Bible describe the church? Well, let's just start with the word ecclesia. 
Ecclesia is by far the most common word for church in the New Testament. Ecclesia is so common in the New Testament for church that it's become part of our own way in English of talking about the church. In theology, we call the study of church ecclesiology, which comes from ecclesia. Uh, we talk about ecclesial authority or church authority. Other ways of describing the church exists in the Bible, but ecclesia is uh, the most common one that we have. But what does it mean? Well, Ecclesia refers to a called-out assembly. Uh, in other words, it's a group that's been gathered from a larger crowd. In the bare definition of the word, we see that it came into use as a way of describing Jesus' followers who had been plucked out of their former way of life and gathered in their city for the purpose of ministry and worship. Uh, there's an important Greek secular background to this word that will help us understand how uh, ecclesia was understood as a concept and how it became to be uh, used to describe the church. I'm going to quote uh, Millard Erickson here in his Christian theology, which, by the way, uh, I've mentioned before, and I'll mention again, is my favorite uh, summary of the faith, my favorite uh, systematic theology there. I won't say it's the best one. I don't know. Uh, you know, the best is different for everybody, but it is my favorite one. So I'm just going to throw that little recommendation out there. Again, it's a good reference book for you if you're wanting to grow your uh, theological library. Millard Erickson, Christian Theology. I went way too far in this. Anyway, uh, let me just quote him here about, again, this uh, Greek background, secular background uh, to Ecclesia. Ecclesia refers to an assembly of the citizens of a city. Such assemblies were convened at frequent intervals, as often as 40 times a year in the case of Athens. While the authority of the ecclesia was limited to certain matters, all who were full citizens were allowed to vote in those matters. In the secular sense of the word, then, ecclesia refers simply to a gathering or assembly of persons, a meaning that is still to be found in Acts 19, 32, 39, and 41. So, we see that Greek background to the word, but there's also an Old Testament background that helps us understand why this word, ecclesia, was chosen by New Testament writers. Kahal and Edah are two Old Testament words that have to do with a called assembly of people. Kahal was just, you know, general usage, uh, an assembly of God's people. Edah referred to an assembly uh, and was used mostly in the first five books of the Old Testament uh, to refer to the people of God gathered in the tent of meeting. So, the Greek version of the Old Testament actually translated one of those words, uh, Kahal, into ecclesia. So with this Greek uh, background usage, this common usage in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, um, this concept of assembly being used in the Old Testament, it seemed natural and inevitable that ecclesia would begin to be used to uh, define and describe the Christian church. But how does understanding this meaning, this, you know, blah, 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 how does understanding all this background uh, enhance our understanding of the church? Well, it shows us that we are a people who are gathered together for the purpose of worshiping God. We are called out, after all. Um, it's this group of people that God has lavished his grace upon, it's this group of people that he's providentially gathered together. This 
the assembly component of the word also emphasizes that while there is a universal church, God works and ministers through local congregations of people who know and love each other and who work together in ministry. So, uh, as we end this episode over the course of the next few minutes, uh, I want to go over some of the metaphors for the church that we find in the Bible. We see ecclesia as a word, but what are some concepts and metaphors that are used to uh, describe the church in the Bible? Um, these metaphors in this section, I think, will probably uh, catch your interest a little more because these are classic metaphors. Um, these are these are metaphors that are used in Scripture to pique our interest and to relate our understanding of the church with something that we already know, which elevates um, our understanding of the church and uh, helps us to um, relate to the idea of the church a little better. So I'm going to go over three metaphors, just three. There's there's a lot of metaphors for the church in Scripture, but I've, I've cherry-picked three. Um, the church as a family, the church as a bride, and the church as a body. So the first of those, the church as a family. This metaphor uh, for the church, church as a family, it should be super familiar to you if you've been around Trace. Uh, we've referred to ourselves as a faith family pretty consistently in the few years that I've been around. Uh, Peter refers to the household of God in 1 Peter 4.17. In 1 Timothy 5, Paul describes the relationships of our fellow church members as being like father, mother, sister, brother, etc., etc. Um, furthermore, we know that Jesus um, helps us to understand God as father and uh, father of all of those who are in Christ and to know him. In this, we see that scripture describes the church uh, using the metaphor of a family, and that is a very effective metaphor. It shows us that we are meant to be a close-knit community of people who love one another, who bear with one another, who share one another's lives. It means that we share burdens. It means that we pull resources. It means that we rejoice and that we weep together. And I mean, sure, sometimes we bicker, but we're secure in our relationship with one another because we are a family who have been united together, who have been brought together by the blood of Christ, who have been bought and redeemed and, and placed together in an eternal family. I'd like to say personally, just as a personal note about this, that Paige and I are so exceedingly grateful for the love and the relationships that we've received as being a part of Trace. You have ministered to us uh, so well. You, you've loved us so well. We've uh, had some lifelong uh, relationships built here. And I know, uh, I, well, I shouldn't say I know, I, I guess I'm going on a little bit of a limb here, but uh, I would say that our, our other staff pastors, Josh and Matthew, um, who live further away from their families than Paige and I uh, would say the same thing. We are so grateful for uh, the ways that you've made us part of your family. Um, so we see that the church is described as a family, but moving on, we also can observe the church as the bride of Christ. So in the description of uh, the church as the bride of Christ, we can see that the church is incredibly valuable to Christ. Think about your spouse. Remember your wedding. Remember those special dates that always make you grand, the ones that you're still talking about years later. 
Think about your spouse's uh, smile and their laugh. Don't they fill your heart with such warmth? Is there anything that you wouldn't do for them? In the same way, Christ yearns jealously over his church. However, being known as the bride of Christ also means a pursuit of purity by the church. The best text to illustrate uh, this pursuit of purity as, as part of being the bride of Christ uh, is in 2 Corinthians 11, 2 and 3. For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. I am afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his cunning your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So because of our identity as the bride of Christ, as the church, we should pursue unmixed devotion to Christ. Uh, Just as we obviously desire to be faithful to our spouse, we should be faithful to Christ. That means that we should seek to teach right doctrine as a church. And that means that we should seek to live faithfully as a church. That means that we should carefully guard uh, church membership uh, through baptizing believers only and those who are genuinely, as best that we're able to understand, born again, regenerated in Christ. Uh, And that means that we should hold one another accountable to live lives that honor Christ, our husband. So as the bride of Christ, we are greatly beloved by Christ, but also called to a pure identity as his bride. But this last metaphor that we see is the church as the body of Christ. So this is probably the most famous metaphor in scripture because it's it's so vivid and so memorable and it has so many applications. Uh, I won't read the whole thing, but let me read to you just a selection from 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, This is verses 12 through 14. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body through man are one with are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized in one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made the drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of uh, one member, but of many. Here's the implication. Since Christ is risen and ascended, the church is his body here on earth. Body, you know, there in in quotes. Uh, We are to pass along his teachings, to live out his mission, and to represent him to the world. Furthermore, to make this body work, there are many different parts that are complementary to one another and work together. So just like you have a mouth and hands, each with their own separate function, they work together to provide food for your stomach. In the same way, we all have spiritual gifts that are different from one another, but uh, complementary to one another to help us in the work of ministry. For instance, I am gifted with the ability to sit still and read a book for a while, then replicate my learnings into a microphone so that we could be taught. But if you know me, you know that I'm also twitchy and awkward and not always so great at making new people feel welcome. Uh, So through the variety of gifts we have, we're able to serve one another. Are you gifted in singing? Well, we would love for you to help us worship. Are you gifted gifted in hospitality? Perhaps you uh, could consider hosting a life group. Are you outgoing? Well, maybe then you should uh, consider helping us uh, think through ways to reach our city. Um, Are you compassionate? 
well, maybe you could help us meet needs of hurting people in our community. Through it all, through these diverse gifts, we work together as one body of Christ in the world. So I hope as we look at this, this is giving you a more complete understanding, even just an, an initial understanding. We have a lot more to cover, a lot more to talk about, but I hope this gives you a basic understanding of the church. So as we come to the end of this first episode of Church Basics, uh, I in, I, it ended a little bit longer than I expected. But I think this will help us going forward to understand the church and its identity. Each episode, I want to end by challenging you in one way uh, to apply the teaching that we've heard. So this week, I want you to think about the church as the body, as we concluded there in that last metaphor. How are you gifted as a part of this church? part of the Church of Trace Crossing. How could you serve? Uh, I would love for you to contact uh, my, me or one of our other staff members if you're interested in serving in any particular way. We'd love to come alongside you, help you in that, and to plug you in. I mean, literally, it's our job, uh, Ephesians 4. So last of all, like I said, I would love uh, to take some questions from you if you have them. Uh, if you have a question about something in particular I said, uh, or if this strikes up some other question, please email me at avery at tracecrossing.org. I'll try to answer it on the podcast, or at least, you know, shoot you an email back. Well, with that, that's the first episode of Church Basics. Thank you for listening, and God bless.